Coming up to 8.16, it's a good thing if Korea is reunified while we are still alive. If not, we should meet again in heaven. Just another of the quotes that have come out of the heartbreak of families being forced to bid farewell over the weekend, ending last week's inter-Korean reunions. When they were separated nearly seven decades ago, they were young, without knowing they wouldn't be able to connect again soon. Now they're in their 70s, 80s, 90s, even over 100 years old. Hence why the need to hurry up to come up with a way to hold regular reunions, or at least or as well as video calls for divided family members. Let's um, now bring in Simon Denyer, Tokyo Bureau Chief for the Washington Post, who directly covered these reunions. Uh, Good morning to you. Good morning, yeah. So this uh, was a a breakthrough because we'd not seen reunions since 2015, but uh, we have seen... uh, some regularity over the years, going back to 1985 initially and then um, more regularly after 2000. Um, the Mount Kumgang area has been the symbolic location for that. What was your impression of this latest event? So this is my first time covering it. I've actually just moved to start doing this beat and, and it, was, it was very moving and it was, a very, it was a nice story to report on as one of my first stories in Korea because you know there was there was genuine happiness among many of these people that they were having the chance to see their relatives for the first time to find out what had happened to their relatives for the first time but you know that happiness was tinged with frustration and tinged with sadness um you know many people that i spoke to several people that i spoke to found out for the first time what had happened to their stepson to their sister to their mother in in nearly 70 years they had had no news at all and and they found out that you know perhaps their their sister or their brother had died many years ago and they were now meeting some other family member perhaps the brothers sons and daughters um and and the other sadness really and and one that you sort of alluded to when you mentioned video calls the other big sadness was that this was just a one-off reunion, that these people would meet and then not be able to be part of each other's lives. The separation would continue again. They wouldn't even be able to make video calls. They wouldn't even be able to write letters to each other. So happiness, yes, and, and very moving stories, but but also really tinged with sadness and frustration that there isn't more opportunity. Yeah, it does seem like a horrible failure in the diplomatic sphere that we've not been able to find a breakthrough, at least on those humanitarian grounds. But again, that's a story that's been there for for years. For you covering this for the first time as a a journalist, what were you looking for to to try to tell this story again, but for the first time from your own perspective? (laughs) That's a very good good question. I mean, I think that the... The power of the stories was, you know, the power of the retelling of the history um, is always there. Um, so that's that's one thing that, that, you know, bears telling and retelling, because these are real people with real stories and real memories of what happened in the division of the Korean Peninsula. So it, it brings that historical moment right back to the present day. So, uh, so that's, that's very moving. I think that, you know, it does put into context the current 
the current sort of situation in terms of negotiation. You know, we are having a big effort on behalf of the South Korean government to make these reunions happen more often, to, to accelerate them, to, to have greater contact. And we're still seeing the North Koreans, you know, we're seeing the North Koreans move, but not move as far as many people would like. So I think that just puts this kind of, you know, peace process, if you like, in context. We haven't actually seen the North Koreans do something here that they haven't done before. Uh, and so that's perhaps part of a broader context where the North Koreans are talking, but they're not changing the paradigm. They're not, they're not changing the fundamental way that they behave. They're still, they're still restricting the numbers significantly they're still making this a bargaining chip um they're still you know having it only in north korea strictly controlling the process keeping the foreign press away so i think that just that sort of political context is also important to realize that what we're seeing here while good isn't really anything anything new yet yeah so the foreign press were invited earlier this year to the dismantlement of that North Korean nuclear test site at Pungeri, but but not invited to cover this event. How did you physically overcome that obstacle? Well, I mean, there's no there's no way to, to do it. We just we just went and interviewed. You know, we were given a list of um, by the Unification Ministry a list of the relatives who were willing to interview, willing to do interviews. We interviewed um, you know as many as we had time for. We went to Sokcho and we interviewed more people there. Um, so, you know, we were able to, to do that. Then, of course, you're left with pull reports um, from the South Korean media who went, uh, not necessarily the people you, you, you know, I had met. So I wasn't able to sort of follow up on the stories of people who, who, who I'd met and interviewed, which was, which was a bit sort of sad and a bit frustrating. So it is, it is limiting. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the power of it would be, would be even greater if you know if more people were allowed to to cover it. But again, you know that's that's the way that the North Koreans operate, and, and deep suspicion of the press in general and the foreign press, you know, as part of that. Regarding the atmosphere of this reunion, we've heard criticisms in the past of some of the North Korean family members while being very happy and emotional to see their loved ones, also taking the opportunity to talk a lot about North Korea's regime in in glowing terms. The implication being, I think it's something you referred to, um, actually, in one of your articles, that perhaps just loyal subjects are chosen to be allowed to be reunited from the North side. Um, However, this time around was the closest that they've ever been allowed to get, like they're allowed to have a personal lunch, for example. Maybe we're seeing signs of change. What what are your views on that, generally speaking? So that is interesting. And I think, you know, we'd we'd certainly I'd certainly read about people standing up and singing propaganda songs to, you know, to 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 North Korean leaders, um and a sort of very almost a tense atmosphere because of that. Um and the South Koreans, you know, some South Koreans being very sort of forthright about their Christian faith and trying to sort of respond by, 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 by talking about that. Uh, you know, it, it's possible that people have learned a little bit from that. It doesn't really reflect very well on, on anybody if they're trying to sort of force their views down each other's throats. Um, so 
you know, certainly from the South Korean side, the families were told not to talk about their religion. And the people I spoke to were, were okay about that, actually. They were like, well, we don't, we don't need to do that. We don't need to talk about, you know, this. this is, we want to reunite with our family. So they were okay with that condition. Um, from the North Korean side, yes, you know, there's two things going on here. One is that, you know, we hear that, that well, three things. One is that we hear that people who've moved, who relatives in South Korea are seen as suspect by the regime. Second, that only those who have somehow got, you know, reasonably good standing will be selected to go. And third, that everybody undergoes weeks of indoctrination, as if you need more indoctrination. But anyway, weeks more of indoctrination before these before these reunions happen. I mean, I haven't, um, I haven't sort of gone back and interviewed the people from this current batch yet i hope i will get a chance to uh, next time i'm in in korea but um uh, from the pool reports there didn't seem to be as much as you said there didn't seem to be, there was there was one incident you know of, a, of an argument about who started the korean war um there didn't but there didn't seem to be as much so so perhaps you know perhaps people have learned that this doesn't reflect well on 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 the so the north koreans perhaps have learned that this doesn't reflect well on them if they overdo it uh, too much but you know and it was nice as you said people had private lunches i wouldn't i wouldn't guarantee there weren't listening devices around or people around listening but um yeah I, i'm sure the north koreans can't speak frankly when they're talking in these conversations uh, but i didn't see as much evidence of sort of political indoctrination coming to the fore uh, as we saw in the past well, it's certainly an enduring story. Uh, it holds that appeal as it has done for decades. Sadly, um, it endures from the relative's perspective as well. Simon Denyer, Tokyo Bureau Chief for the Washington Post. Great to have you with us. Thanks very much.